Hi, hello and welcome to Swing Smarter Monthly Newsletter. This is your host, Joey Myers from the HittingPerformanceLab.com. And on today, we have a part two with Mr. Taylor Gardner, a.k.a. Uncle Flash of the Backspin T at BackspinT.com. And I wanted to have Taylor on today. We we're going to discuss some hit machining. We tend to do this normally. We, we talk pretty regularly. And there's usually something Taylor brings up question-wise, and we debate it, and we talk for hours. We aren't going to do that today. But I do have some questions for Taylor to see what his his opinion is on it, and I want to start with the first question, but I first wanted to welcome you. Welcome you, Uncle Flash. Thanks, bud. I appreciate you having me. I love being on, and uh, this is just another normal day in the office for me and you. <laughs> another is. day of talking to Eddie. It we is. love it. And, and every coach out there, I'm sure, would love to be a fly on the wall. Oh. <laughs> hey, here's the first question. So one of my readers asked, what is the role of the hands in the swing, removing the arminess of youth swings. I struggle getting them to not want to pull the bat forward linearly. Uh, linearly. So what what are the role or what is the role of the hands in the swing? So the hands actually have a pretty simple role uh, from what we've seen and researched. Um, the, the number one rule is they hold the bat. That's where your grip starts on the bat. Right. And of course right. you want a proper grip. Uh, whether you want to talk in simple terms like palm up, palm down at contact, or you can talk about the, the finger pressure that Joey Myers is, is expertly uh, uh, fulfilled with, and you can learn a lot about that. But, but I want to make it more simple, just the roll of the hands. Once you get that proper grip set up on it, the roll of the hands is to not take the bat out of position in correlation to where your body is trying to pull it to or, or, or rotate it through or, or, or you don't want to start you know your swing and then all of a sudden the hands are moving in a different direction than your shoulder plane that might be an easier way for people to visualize um, so everyone has their own style you know you know, Albert Pujols used to have his hands quite a bit above his shoulders at the start of his stance um, other people move their hands quite a bit you know at the, at the load phase if you will in, in, in their swing but Regardless, whatever your style is, as soon as you start to engage your swing, the, the pitch is coming to you. You're, you're trying to calculate where, where it's going. What you don't want the hands to do is move, move in a position that, that makes it harder for the body to self-organize, um, and, and then you're fighting your swing while trying to locate the ball. And that's what I see a lot of young hitters doing. Um, which leads to the army pushy swing, if you will, is that their, their hand position either didn't start in a good uh, uh, position to start with, so it doesn't have a role. It's it, you know the hands are trying to connect back to the body or the hands and arms, and so you've got to figure out what what is connection in your swing. And for for, for us, uh, we, we like to uh, talk about connection being the the, the hands being around the shoulder slot. And for those that may not interpret that very well, uh, it's, it's just below the shoulders. Because if you were to take your hand and hold a, if you're a waitress holding a tray of, of water and you're about to serve your customers, that same position is a very connected position. The elbow is slotted next to your rib cage. The hand is positioned right about shoulder level. And that's just anatomically is going to be the same for everybody. And we see this as well uh, in pictures and videos of hitters. And you know, you can, you know, pause it wherever you want on the video, and you're going to see that hand near, those hands near that shoulder slot. And when you get handsy and pushy is when those hands get away from that shoulder slot position. Um, now, I'm not going to tell you that everyone has to be a robot and it has to look perfect. Everyone has different flexibilities or different strengths. Uh, but 
anatomically speaking, you want your hands to be along for the ride because your spinal engine is what dominates our swing. We know that the swing kind of starts inside out, not so much ground up. And if you use your hands too early, moving them, you know, especially away from your body, or if you're pushing them down or too high away from your, away from your slotted position, you're pushing them away from your spinal engine. And so you want to limit that as much as you can. Granted, young kids may not have the strength of older kids, but anatomically, if they can get into positions, their natural movements will help take over and help them stay connected so their hands can stay in a better shoulder-slotted position and, uh, and not want to be pushed ahead of their swing so much or away from their body so much. Um, granted, you know, the swing is an art. The swing is not strictly linear. And, uh, the, you know, most of the linear aspect comes with the weight shift of the lower half. Um, now, your upper body does shift with, with it to keep its balance and keep its strong positions. But the linear part is important, but not with the hands. But again, the hands are along for the ride around the spine. Around the spine, That's the axis of the swing. So I think a lot of kids get that confused. I, I see it a lot when, with young kids seeing coach pitch for the first time. Um, they're trying to almost more or less take their hands to the ball. And you know what? I don't blame them. It feels quicker to just fire your hands across your body and you know, try and get that bat out front and, and make contact. But the problem with that is they've, they've lost their self-control of staying connected to their spinal engine you know, in, near that shoulder slot position and let the body and the spinal engine pull those levers, those arms around, which are connected to the hand, which is connected to the weapon that we're swinging. So it's uh, how, how to fix it. There's a, there's a lot of theories on that, of course. Uh, one, one of the ways that we like to uh, train with that is actually have them swing the wiffle ball bat. I see a lot of coaches now go to a head, learn to swing this heavy bat. And I have no, nothing against heavy bats. But for this particular issue, I like to take the weight of the bat completely out of the equation and let them, let them self-organize by swinging a wiffle ball bat because you have no excuse. The bat's not too heavy. <laughs> and, and, you know, if you use the term stay back, if you will, here, or whatever term you want to use. But you've got to learn, the kid has to learn how to stay connected to their spinal engine that is pulling around their spine. And... You know, finding ways to do that, you, you can be creative if you want, um, but uh, uh, you know, engaging the hands properly, whether it be finger pressure, I, I find a lot of success on that. I learned that from Joey Myers. You know, when kids have super loose hands, I, I, they tend to kind of whip them through, push them a little more. When I when they feel engaged on the bat, it gives them a little better purpose, and I, I feel like that's uh, really helped our hitters. Um, you know, be in the proper position and not be so linear and pushy with it. Right. Yeah, exactly, and, and you and you unveil a lot. It was good for coaches to hear a lot of that and get a big picture view. I one of the things that you mentioned when we first started talking, building our friendship, was the fact, and you just mentioned it. The if you want to line up the bat at contact, so if you just get a hitter to contact and what their hand positioning is, you're talking about the grip, and that was one thing that I learned from you that you think, duh, and you look how the hitters hands are palm up, palm down at contact because that's what you see. That's a, I guess you, if you want to call that an absolute or whatnot. So if you talk about grip and a lot of these coaches out there will tell a 12, 13, 14 year old hitter who, whose hand is a little bit bigger than they are at seven years old, eight years old, where it actually works to line up the door knocking knuckles. And if you tell a 12, 13, 14, 15 high school, college hitter to line up their door knocking knuckles, if you get them with their door knocking knuckles lined up to contact point, 
they're going to have this odd wrist flexed or extended position. So that's a great tip, easy, simple tip that you can use to know what the role of the hands are, hands are, at least at contact and when it comes to grip. You mentioned, you just mentioned the finger pressure. And we always talk about boxers. And boxers are loose. Boxers are MMA fighters, right? MMA is a little easier because you can see their hands a little bit better than with those big old giant gloves on. Right, right. But, but you can see that they're loose with their hands up until they throw their punch. And if we could put a a thing in their hand to measure pounds per square inch of grip pressure, I guarantee okay. you the minute they go to throw the punch, the minute it leaves their shoulder, whether it's their backhand or their, their jab hand, I guarantee you the pounds per square inch of force is going to go through the roof the minute that they throw the punch because, like you mentioned, yeah. It has to, come, has to be connection, right? So you mentioned finger pressure, which is top hand, bottom three fingers, so that's the pinky, the ring, and the middle finger. You squeeze those really tight, I say eight out of ten at least, and you start that squeeze from the minute the hitter picks up the front foot to all the way through, almost into the finish itself. So connection is great. Um, you talked about the wiffle ball bat. Wiffle ball bat's great. So you're talking about underload training, so swinging that bat as hard as they can is another good one to do so you can combine the finger pressure, the underload bat, the wiffle ball bat, and swing, uh, swinging it as hard as you can. And that's going to do a lot of different things. But I, I agree on all those that you mentioned. And there's, a, again, a lot of tools that people can, can look at. Let's, let's move to the next question, which is most still want to pivot on the foot, on the back foot, instead of with the hip, a key uh, uh, hip, a key to prevent that. So we're talking about staying sideways, and this is the talk I had with Matt Noakes too, with staying sideways. So uh, most still like to pivot the foot. So what do you do with your hitters, Taylor, when they're over rotating that lower half or over rotating that that back foot? Well, see, I'm in Oklahoma, and uh, that's what's being taught here, just hand over fist right now by majority of coaches, <laughs> and uh, so I, I get a lot of this. Um, in fact, I I have my lessons later on uh, today and and every day, and this is by far the number one. Uh, mechanical issue. Um, now you got to understand. I'm sure Matt Noakes talked about this as well. Um, we want when we talk about mechanics, you want to make sure you're talking about. A, a, if you're going to adjust mechanics, you've got to be talking about a swing, a hitter that's on time. Because if a hitter's not on time, then it's a timing issue, not a mechanical issue. Right. And you want to fix timing issues with timing uh, adjustments, and you want to fix mechanical, you know, uh, issues with mechanical adjustments. So. Um, as far as the back foot staying sideways longer, we have to understand why that would be important, and that is for the shift to the ball. The shifting to the ball, uh, a lot of people think it's just stepping to the ball. Stepping to the ball is, is one style of shifting your, your, your head and your spine, your posture to the ball, but the whole goal is to get your, your, your spine lined up to the pitch plane. So once we understand, that's what we're trying to do on time. You're trying to shift your body to the ball on time. And so by doing that, this is where the linear part of the swing really has value. Um, a lot of kids try to, try to pivot on their back foot, at least in my opinion, because they think that's where the rotation starts. And they think that's where their swing is engaged and where the power comes from. And it's not true. It's not true in any other sport. Golfers do not pivot on their back foot until at or even after contact. Right. Think of Tiger Woods or even Bryson DeChambeau right now. He's, uh, he's about to beat my long drive record, so <laughs> I've I, I got to go put up some work on the driving range. But uh, they, when they hit the ball, they're, they're, they shift. 
It's not to be a big shift, but they shift their body front of center, and for a split second in time, their weight is shifting to the front side. Not over the front side, but into the front side. Mm -hmm. This is where you're going to see a sideways back foot. Uh, quarterbacks do this. You'll even see, if you look at their back foot, as they shift into their landing, and they take their stride and they land, that back foot is, is sideways. It might be a little uh, pivot, you know, a, a little leaned. It might be a, uh, a little turned, you know, a little minor microscopic differences, but it's non-weight-bearing. So the biggest, easiest fix to get someone to not pivot on their back foot too soon is to have them shift their weight into their front leg. And I'm not saying you've got to go 100% into your front leg. I'm not saying you've got to pick your back foot off the ground. But the, the act of shifting, again, by getting to the ball, I always have to have a good purpose. That also helps with leverage as well because your hands and bat are behind you. You pull things that are behind you. You push things that are in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so to swing a bat is the act of pulling the bat around your body. You need leverage. You'd never win a game of tug-of-war if you leaned back on your back foot and then tried to pull. Right. It doesn't work that way. You have to shift into your front side. We'll call it just front side. Uh, that gives you leverage. That would also help, by the way, with slotting the elbow back to the hand stuff. It, it, all of this is intertwined, which <laughs> makes it all so much fun to talk about. They're not just, you know, this may be one particular question, but the answer is all within, you know, the, the way the body is collectively organizing itself. Right. So to not hit it too soon, man, you've got to shift sooner. And I'm not saying you've got to take a bigger step. You can you, there are even guys who have a no stride, they still shift. Yep. And so that shifting of, of, of weight transfer is what keeps the back foot sideways. Now, are we actively trying to keep the back foot sideways? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you have to think about keeping the back foot sideways, just like I don't, you don't have to think about pivoting on it. It's going to turn when your spinal engine turns your core far enough. Your shoulders are going to go. Your hips are going to clear through and go. And that's what pulls the, the back foot up and around. And the back foot merely becomes a kickstand like a bicycle. It's just a it, – it happens so much later. The pivoting of the back foot happens so much later than people once realized. Um, I, I challenge anybody to go watch multiple swings of the same header. You're going to see the back foot do multiple things. But one of the things you're going to see is it's not going to pivot first. They're going to shift their weight, block into their front leg, then the, the, the rotation is going to finish, and they're going to catch their self for balance in the form of pivoting on the back foot. But that pivot needs to be the last uh, uh, part of the chain of events, not the first. Right, and one important point, too, to, for people to understand when they're watching these hitters, and Taylor just said that you can watch 50 of the top major league hitters, and you're going to see it. There's going to be a lot of similarities. The principle is still going to be there, and some will end up with their foot straight vertical perpendicular to the ground and I, I would even argue that 50 at least 50 percent of them will be sideways will have the back heel the, or the foot won't be vertical it will actually right. be behind them the heel will be behind them so you, what you have to keep in mind is that there are mobility ankle mobility issues at work here as well so these are yep. top athletes but but even top athletes have mobility and stability issues so in this issue the swing smarter monthly newsletter, we are going into ankle mobility, and that's the reason why. Because you can take a hitter, a young hitter, maybe who has had injuries in the ankle, maybe not, but maybe they sit a lot. So sedentary lifestyle is a big one for cutting down on mobility and stability. But what will happen is if this hitter is, you say you're working the, what we, we're going to go over in the, the newsletter, is the shifting foot pressure drill, which is what Taylor's talking about and what Matt, Matt talked about in, in his interview. 
And you can work that drill, but if the hitter has that ankle mobility issue on the backside, back heel, back ankle, then they're going to have a hard time actually doing the move. So then you have to create some slack in that ankle or both ankles, but keep right. create some slack so that you can get them into that move better. So there is a an aspect of mobility that you coaches out there have to be um, have attention to. Would you agree, Taylor? Uh, every new lesson that I have, and we get to this this topic pretty early in our lessons, I'll have a kid put their bat down. Don't think about hitting for a second. I'll I'll put their feet just wider than shoulder width apart, you know, in athletic position. Again, we're not thinking hitting, and I just ask them to, to shift their foot pressure back and forth. Yep. And immediately you can tell <laughs> if, if a hitter is going to be able – well, basically you can tell how long they can stay linear. And I'm not saying longer is better here. I'm just giving a gauge of if a hitter, you know, straightens their legs up and, and goes off balance and they can barely shift their foot pressure, it's like, Okay, that's the that's the mobility I'm working with today. Frank, Frankenstein it, ankle, uh, concrete ankle. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and if they have really good mobility, um, man, it looks like that kid can just shift in a you know within his legs and ankles way left, you know, way back, and way forward. And again, not that he's going to do that in a swing, but it's like this kid has more uh, uh, potential ability of staying on the ball longer and not pivoting off too soon because his mobility is allowing him to to uh, uh, stay within his swing longer. Um, and it's uh, it's incredible, Joey. It, 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 you know, um, we, we like to use the uh, coaching cue of hit it first, rotate second. And it's just mm. a cue. It, it doesn't mean don't <laughs> rotate anything. But I'm, I'm more or less talking, but we're talking about the feet right. is what we're talking about. Right. And, and, and I challenge anyone, if they've ever chopped down a tree or if you've ever taken a sledgehammer and hit anything with it in front of you, you know the, the foot pressure we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You don't pivot on that back foot early and then throw the hands. You can't. You have that split grip. Um, to be honest with you, the body really self-organizes pretty well when you're cutting down a tree or swinging a sledgehammer. Yep. And so that that movement is what we're talking about. And everyone, you know, well, <laughs> at least back in the old days, they used to be a pretty good analogy. Now kids don't chop down anything. <laughs> so, but it, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that, you know, hit first, rotate second is uh, has really helped a lot of my kids um, because immediately they can feel they spin off of it and they're aware of it, and that uh, that's a big key is getting kids to be aware of of the the timing of the rotation and making sure it's not not in the wrong time. Right, I agree. Yeah, totally, man. And and there's a a new thing that we're working on is and I you and I have talked about this a little bit in past calls on wrist snap. Uh, it's really pronation for hitters. You know, you pronate teach pitchers and throwers to pronate well it's more like a pronation for hitters and one of the drills it's it's a progressive drill so we have different phases to it and in the about the middle of it we call it a 2.5 swing where the hitters allowed to use their lower half they can stride they can use their legs basically but their upper half we are keeping from turning so they can they can load it up like spinal engine stuff they can show their numbers right. neck pressure hiding hands, you know, scat pinch, rear scat pinch, all that stuff. They can load it up, but as they're turning, they cannot turn their shoulders to where they're off of level or perpendicular or parallel to the plate. So they have to keep their chest square to the plate as they turn, and we use, a, we use the wrist nap. But what's interesting in that, and, we, and that could be a whole other call that we can talk about that, but more, more so I wanted to focus on the lower half, 
And when we do a 2.5 swing, they almost automatically work their lower half the right way. And I think it goes to the same idea of your cue where you say hit the ball first, rotate second, right? I think one of probably the biggest, I think it's starting to come around now, a lot of coaches I'm starting to hear as we put more stuff out like this, they're starting to say that the biggest youth problem that exists right now is over rotation because it's it's oh, taught yeah. so much. It, uh, it it's very much taught too much, and 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 again, I, I fear for the coaches that that and there's a lot of them out there that don't understand timing or buying time. Right. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I won't, I won't go into it too much here. But you know, the the pitch is on a timeline. Let's say he throws 80 miles an hour, and out of the hand to the front of the plate, we'll just call it contact zone, you know, it's taking 0.47 seconds to get there. Well, you have to know what to do within the pitch timeline. And the idea of getting on time is, is kind of a funny one because, yes, we, we clearly want to end up on time for, for the, the best hit, we want our best swing on, on, on perfect time, not early, not late. And the problem with that is everyone guesses when to start their swing, when to shift, when to land. It's actually easier than that. Mm. Every time you play catch with someone, you shift your body to the ball and you land and catch it on time. And you don't even know exactly where the ball's going. Uh, but put a bat in someone's hand and we almost turn kids into being robotic, you know, spinsters, what I, <laughs> I like to call them, just yeah. spinning off their back foot. And uh, it, it, the buying time, the ball starts in front of you, you've got to know what to do while the ball's still getting there. There's not one... I mean, it, I'm talking in technical terms here, but there is not any pitch in the world, especially kids that haven't seen anything above 80, 85, 90 yet, that your brain can't be early on. There's no reason to be late if you understand that you have time. You have time. I'm not saying you're gonna, it's going to guarantee a hit, but if you're not on time and you're not buying time to end up on time, you're never going to make contact. You have to be on time to make contact. That's what timing is. If you're late, the ball's behind your, you know, the ball's, ahead of you on your timeline and uh, if you're if you're too early within your your swing uh then you're ahead of the ball's timeline and so it you know that, that could be a whole nother four-hour conversation especially if you get notes on here <laughs> yeah but well these, these but, guys in our first call i think it was the first issue that we did i think we talked a lot about that so they should they should have a good understanding and and just to tell those parents out there there's coaches that are coaching kids that are seven seven u eight u younger ones that especially when it comes to buying time staying sideways that most youth hitters that age will do this naturally it's yeah. the ones that you get into the 9 10 11 where they've had enough seasoning with another coach that is misrepresenting what like Taylor's calling timing or staying sideways and and being the spinster uh, where it's spinning on that back foot, they will be the ones you're going to have to unravel what they're doing. But for the most part, six, seven, I mean, six on down, seven, eight, for the most part, eight on down, that starts to get into the transition period where maybe you've had a kid with a, a dad or a coach for a year that's been telling them, turn the back foot, turn the back, turn the hips, turn the hips, turn the hips. Oh, yeah. And so you might see them spinning. But most kids younger I, I, a good example, and then we'll uh, then I'll ask you where people can find you if you got any other, uh, what kind of deals you got right now, Taylor. But um, I have one kid who brand new to hitting, or brand new to baseball this year, ten years old. Nice. He was in my my son's league, but he's a little older than my son. And uh, he, I started hitting with him. He started hitting with me, and he he does it naturally. 
I haven't had to, we haven't had to touch his back foot, his back leg at yeah. all. And I have high school guys, seniors, that we're still working on it and we're still trying to – and he's doing it better than seniors, you know. But that, that just goes yep. to show that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, what we're talking about in this call, then just leave them alone. So um, interesting. So anyway, Taylor, I know you got a tee-off time here coming up, but I want to be respectful of your time. Where else can people find you and any kind of deals that you got uh, over at BaxmanT.com? Yeah, that, that, that's the best place to find us. Uh, Facebook, we're posting daily, uh, but we do have a, a great deal, and finally happy that we're able to offer something like this. Um, we're doing a, a BOGO sale. You, 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 buy, you buy one of our pro-heavy tees with a lifetime warranty on it, which is worth every penny right there. You're <laughs> yeah. never going to have to worry about your tee breaking or the rubber wearing out. I literally will ship you a new cone. Um, and and they're, they're, they're built so well that I usually don't have to, which, right. which makes it pretty cool. But you you can get a free second Pro-Lite tee. It's, it's a little bit more travel-friendly tee. Um, uh, it's selling very well. We launched it brand new this year. Um, and we have bundle packages. If you guys haven't seen our uh, new backspin nets, they are incredible. I was so sick and tired of the normal 7x7 pop-up nets. Uh, you know, at the ballpark, kids hitting the ball over them. And I'm not even talking about pop-ups. I'm talking about just good, <laughs> high-line guys right. that, boom, all of a sudden this ball's going into the other team's practice area. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> and then, you know, you scoot a key closer to the net, and all of a sudden they're hitting ground balls. But, oh, but at least the net's catching it. Well, uh, okay, you know, now we're not quite practicing, you know, the line drives that we would hope for. Um, or at least, you know, at least hitting it back on the line that it came in at us at. Uh, you know, mm. so I have a net that has a double soft net. It's got one that's traditionally at the, that height that everyone's used to, and then it goes up three feet taller. It's a 10-foot tall net with two soft nets in it, and uh, they're, they're pretty damn cool. I'm not going to lie to you. I've got to pat myself on the back on that one. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually put that in the starting lineup store. I'm going to work on that this week, so I'll have to talk to you about that. Um, and, and the tees are just they're un, un, non-destructible. And I've, and I've yelled it at Taylor for doing this, but he's made such a great tee that I outlive a nuclear holocaust. And, and the problem with an indestructible tee is that they don't get bought. So from a business standpoint, they don't, they don't get bought as frequently. So the very thing that Taylor did, right. Taylor and Jarrett did, was they built this tee that's going to last. And it's probably at their detriment, too. But they do a great it's job. Uh, made in the USA. I know. I know at least the pro one. I don't know what you guys are doing on the standard one. But I oh yeah, everything. Everything's everything made in the USA. Do. So you can you can feel good that that that's the case and it's all built well. And like you said, uh, you get the cone. He'll ship you if it if it breaks. He'll ship it to you for free on the pro. I think, or I don't know if you're doing that on the standard too. But the pro at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. The pro heavy lifetime warranty on it. The pro light. There's not a lifetime warranty on it, but. I'll be honest with you, we probably could. We just haven't done it yet because yeah. we wanted to give it, you know, enough its proper six yeah, enough time to see how they're lasting and they're lasting fantastic. So yeah. um, that might change in the future, but uh, you don't have to worry about it. Well, I'll take care of you. If you're you, you spend money with me, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. I'm not in we're not trying to do it for that. Yeah, these guys are awesome. And I mean, I have a lot of hitters that work out in groups on one day on Sundays, and we, we, we can have 30 to 40 hitters working throughout that, that time from 7.45 to 2 p.m. 
and they, I mean, we beat them up, and we don't have to, I mean, we probably, I have to contact you, what, every three months, maybe, or four months to replace I think, the, I, think I replace your cones more than anyone else on the planet. <laughs> but I have so many hitters that are, that are hitting <laughs> off the tees, right, all the time. So if you're a parent, you have, you have a couple kids that are using it or whatever, I mean, it's going to last you for for a long time before you got to replace anything. So go to BaxmanT.com or the StartingLineupStore.com. You can find Backspin T, the Backspin T, any of the pro or the standard models. And I'm uh, going to be adding the, the net there at the StartingLineupStore.com. But these guys are awesome. Thank you, Taylor. I uh, hope, you, uh, hope you do well today, Mr. Long Driver, I think, to give those golfers out there an idea. <laughs> What's your longest drive? Is it 405 or 400? Uh, Four, I hit 422 a couple months 422, ago. 422, bang. So uh, put that in your quiver. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, brother. We're going for four, 440 next. Oh, geez, dude. You got it. You got those rebuilt knees, or that rebuilt knee. So That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, have fun today. Thanks for, for taking the time to get on the call, and, and we'll talk to you on the next one. All right, bud. Thank you very much. You got it, bud. Yep. Bye.